out, it's our weekly catch-up with the National Party's Denise Lee. Hello, Denise. How are we going? Hey, I'm going good, Laura. And I did pick up that you just told everyone that I'm not allowed to refer to it being your last show. Um, <laughs> But I am going to reserve the last writer reply at the end of our interview to tell you how awesome you are. Is that okay? Okay. I, w- I will hold myself <laughs> together for it. Um, okay. <laughs> you're a sweetheart. Uh, should we jump in? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. Uh, lots of National Party news over the next uh, last two weeks since we've talked. Um, uh-huh. But we've had a National Party caucus reshuffle. Uh, now... I was trying to find out online how this has affected you personally. Um, how has your standing in the party changed with this reshuffle? Yeah, so I retain the same spokespersonship that I had before, which is local government Auckland. So I've got a colleague, Lawrence Yule, who used to be the president of local government New Zealand, the whole country. He's taken on local government for the rest of the country, and I'm local government just Auckland, because we all know that Auckland Council is one heck of a big beast. So it's a great portfolio, cuts across housing, transport, infrastructure, you name it. Um, And then I just happened to have gone up a few places in list ranking. Um, But to be honest, Laura, we're actually not focused on, on numbers and who's what. We've just got one huge job to do. We're in um, a, what's the word I'm looking for? We're in the, the country's in a state that it has never, ever been in, ever before, and the size of what we've got ahead of us as a nation is massive. That's what we're focusing on. We've had a, there was a mood for change. We've had it. We've got a new team, fresh approach. We're mm. getting on with it. But in terms of that list placement, because of course there has been a commentary around this lack of diversity in your top members of the list. Uh, Why isn't that a priority under National's new caucus? Well, it is. I mean, it's a real shame, in my opinion, that the media has tried to reduce us to um, only our top 12. There's 55 of us, Mm -hmm. and we've got a hugely diverse. So we've got, um, in terms of the Asians, we've got Korean, Indian, Chinese, Filipino, Maori, six Maori caucus members. Pacifica, Cook Island, Samoan, Kiribati. I mean, the list goes on. So the fact that the it was a deliberate attempt to choose a number, um, you know, like our top numbers, and then try and analyse that when we've got 55 amazingly diverse people um, that are getting on with their jobs. Mm. But Paula so, Bennett, who is the highest rank Māori and non-white member of the National Party, when she was leaving a caucus meeting, she made the comment that Judith Collins is going to be needed more than her because she is a, a higher rank. Um, that kind of speaks volumes about the importance of your placement on the list, uh, wouldn't you say? No, no, not at all. Um, you know, I can't speak on behalf of what Paula said um, and, well, in fact, anything that she'll say going forward, mm. um, that's for Paula and um, anyone's welcome to talk with her. Um, but all I know is what our team needs to do, um, and we've got a massive, massive job. I mean, here's something else, the way it relates to me, right, mm-hmm. is is I am an electorate MP, and if you live in an electorate, well, we all do, somewhere, mm. um, and you go to see your MP, um, we're here to represent you regardless of our ethnic background and regardless of yours. 
so it's not we don't see things in those frames. Um, we equally care. If you come into my office, I equally care um, about your gender, about your income, about your age. Um, that, that's the job of an MP. So if you kind of reduce it to to analysing um, our our first 12 and not our whole 55 talented, diverse people, I reckon it's a real shame. Mm. This shuffle has kind of reinforced a stereotype of national the National Party being driven by white voices. Was that not a concern for the National Party? Um, no, it's not a concern because it's really rubbish to do that, to reduce us to that, mm. to, to, and you've even the word stereotype. Like I keep saying, we've got a huge amount of diversity in our caucus. So, you know, to kind of like, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for, pick out certain certain um, numbers and certain sort of ratio of numbers when if you look at our entire team, and right, that's what makes up the National Party in Parliament, mm-hmm. 55 people, and we're really diverse, we're really strong, we're really determined, and have got a huge amount of of diversity, work experience, um, not just ethnicity, but work experience and gender and you name it. I mean, in our top four, three of them are women. Mm. I so, think... so let's let's not um, get ourselves reduced to, as you said, stereotypes. Mm. Something I have learned in my time at BFM is that we all have very different backgrounds um, and our backgrounds will kind of help us navigate uh, different subjects. Um, We have a diverse team at BFM, although a little white in some areas. Um, Every single person uh, kind of prioritizes certain information or certain stories more and that's been really clear in my time at BFM is that not something that you think should be important in acknowledging someone's background acknowledging uh, how they might with their own personal story be able to navigate something better sure so so you're right we all bring each other's um, um, different stories and narratives to the table um, but if you look again, or if you look across the 55 of us, we've got incredible stories to tell. Um, and at the end of the day, we're elected, many of us elected locally. Um, you know, we've got far less, far less list MPs than, than Labor does, for instance. Mm. Um, so we, we've had to do the hard yards locally. We're representing people and they expect us to get there and do a job. Um, and that job is massive at the moment. 37,000 people lost their jobs last month. Mm. It's huge, huge numbers. So that's what we're focused on, and to indulge the media in a sideshow for something that's actually just really a shame and unfair. You know, we need to move on. Mm. Much bigger fish to fry here. I'll shift on to our next subject then, which is Goldsmith's comments that the national, if national is elected, there will be more spending on benefits. I kind of want to get clarification from you on, with this comment, it could mean two things, that either with more people being on the benefit, it will require more spending, or whether under national we'll see an increase in financial support for those on the benefit. Um, Do we have any clarity there? Well, yes to the... 
Oh, well, that was a big, um, oh, are you getting feedback? Uh, no, are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm getting like a f- full-on repeat here. It's just kicked in. Oh. Um, um, all right, I'm going to have to keep talking, okay. and I'm hearing myself repeat a second later. <laughs> um, sorry about that, Laura. That's okay. Um so, so the, an answer to that, um, um, it's yes on the first and um, unclear on the second because we haven't um, announced any policy. Um, we don't know what the country will look like when we're government <laughs> in, in mm-hmm. four months. Um, so obviously Paul was referring to the fact that there will be, um, by nature of what we're experiencing in COVID, a whole lot more people on benefits Mm -hmm. Um, and as I just said before 37,000 people lost their jobs in Mm -hmm. April Uh, the Um, highest kind of payment for the benefit that one can receive is uh, 428 I believe and the lowest is 175 give or take a few cents Um, in terms of the benefit I kind of wanted to hear on a personal level whether you think you could survive off of those incomes and live a life of dignity uh, absolutely, it's tough, and you won't find anyone that says it's easy living. We all know it's tough. Um, I, I think, and I've raised this to you before, Laura, mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting that we were the first party in 30 years to materially raise the benefit when we were in government. So if that's something that's required at the time, we're not in government now, yeah. but if um, New Zealanders give us their trust and we are in four months, um, then we'll see what what we're looking at at the time. You know, the, the economic and social situation um, come September the 19th, um, it, it could be um, very different to what we see today. Things are changing so fast, daily, hourly, um, mm. and we will be looking at all the options and we're not going to rule out or in um, what, what will be done with our, our social welfare system. In terms of this, do you think someone should be able to survive and have dignity on the benefit, or is it kind of the intention for the payments to be so low that it forces someone to come off of it? No, look, I wouldn't phrase it that way. Definitely, um, no matter who's in government, always, if you can and are able to find work, that is the intention. Um, And you'll find that the current government has that... um, that requirement as well. So no one would intend for anyone to be long-term beneficiary without um, looking for work if they can. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for that is that you know, it's so incredibly important um, for mental health and for empowerment and 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 self-esteem to have stable employment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's many reasons why um, coming off a benefit and looking for work is a good idea. But I will say that there are some people who, whether that is due to disability or mental illness or chronic pain, are not able to come off the benefit. Um, And I'm sure there's many other reasons outside of that. For those people who've been living on these small payments for a very long time, should they not receive dignity in those payments, be able to live a life with dignity? Yes, so you're right, Laura. There, I was very careful to say mm-hmm. um, earlier that it's for those who can find work. Um, that's that's the requirement for going on the job seeker benefit. Um, there are some people who physically 
uh, unable to, to find work. Um, look, in terms of um, the benefit levels, um, it is something that should be reviewed constantly um, and it's been really interesting to, to hear um, protests from many levels for, for the government um, introducing what we've said is essentially a two-tier benefit. So for those who have just lost their job recently due to COVID, they're receiving more um, than those who are currently or have been prior on the benefit. So uh, we're going to wait to see what this government's doing because they've made some promises over their term and are they going to be able to deliver? We'll see. Mm. I'll have to finish up with our last uh, subject here because we do have a packed show, but I wanted to get your thoughts on government's freshwater reforms. Yeah. You there, so Denise? General, general comments? Uh, general comments. Okay. Yeah, so the government's been working for a long time on this mm-hmm. um, and there was some real concerns um, about um, how restrictive it was going to be on farmers and growers. Um, so their announcements yesterday... Um, are definitely an improvement on on what they had proposed last year. Um, it's good to see some progress here, um, but it was really good to see that there are a few things that they have put on ice or put on pause because they were going to be literally crippling costs on farmers and growers. And in a COVID, well, post-COVID world, as we will get to, um, that's the last thing they need right now. Remember how crucial we all found farmers during lockdown mm. when we we're all thinking, okay, we still need to eat. Um, so that's the kind of um, framework that the farmers aren't some entity off to the side, some business churning out stuff for New Zealand. They are the people that help us eat. Mm. Um, and so, so it's great that um, there was some. There was some, I guess, um, limited impact um, taken into consideration on farmers when they announced these reforms yesterday. Mm. National has a history of advocating for farmers, and we're in the age at the minute where these industries on some level need regulation. Um, Is National committed to expanding on regulations? Well, farmers have a bunch of regulations right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, they... I mean, you only need sort of tune into some of um, their regular um, comms channels and you'll see that they think they're already um, crippling under lots of massive regulations. We're, we're very tightly controlled in terms of what they can and can't do. Um, so, you know, we're not, we definitely just don't want to see anything more happen. For instance, one of the, the reforms that they, that they put on ice yesterday was for um, dissolved inorganic nitrogen, DIN. So had that been in there, farmers and growers um, would have just absolutely found it tough to keep going um, in some of their bottom lines um, in a post-COVID world. What we need now is um, measures to, to, um, to, to keep us going, not to send us back. Mm. Uh, particularly with Todd Muller being uh, the former climate change spokesperson for National, I think many people are expecting him to be more proactive on issues of pollution. Um, so is your kind of comment that you don't want to see any more regulations? Well, it depends on whether the regulations are science-based, evidence-based, and actually get New Zealand moving again 
Um, so so that that's exactly the approach that Todd would take in, in fact, in, any, anything he's saying, not just um, environmental and climate change um, measures. You know, if there's good, solid evidence behind what's being said and what's being um, suggested, then we're behind it. The way that we, under Todd's leadership, um, signed up to the uh, zero carbon bill. Mm. So, so we've got. He is absolutely. That is a key area for him, and you can expect to see some good stuff coming out from us because um, that's a focus for him. Mm. But it does not take away from needing robust evidence on um, on anything that Im- impacts our hugely critical um, sector, the farming and growing growers sector. Mm. Uh, now I'm going to shift on to my last kind of question here, my personal that I am probably going to take advantage of right now. But do you have any kind of um, words of wisdom for me uh, as I'm heading off into a big unknown? Oh, okay. Okay. Words of wisdom, Laura, would be uncertainty and the unknown is an opportunity. Mm. There you go. So we, we've been trained, I think, as human beings over time to fear uncertainty and the unknown. And I don't know why, but we, we think that it equates to negativity. But when you're in a state of uncertainty, things can become clear. Opportunities arise that you didn't think of simply because you are unknown and uncertain. So, so see it as something positive because you never know what that particular gap um, gets filled with simply because it was a gap. Oh, that's actually very comforting. (laughs) Well, have fun, because here's what I know about you, and remember I said I reserved the the last right of reply. Yes, right of reply. Okay, I'm prepared. (laughs) Okay, here we go. You are very professional. You've been a lot of fun. You've been incredibly informed, Laura, and I've had a great time. And I thank you, my friend. Um, and I've got a wee something being delivered to you at BFM Studio. Should be very soon now. So enjoy. Um, thank you so much for all that you've done. I've really enjoyed my time. Mm. Kia kaha. Kia kaha. Thank you so much, Denise. Uh, I've loved chatting with you. And I'm going to miss all right. it. You take care. I'll miss it too. See you, Laura. <laughs> See you, Denise. Bye. The National Party's Denise Lee on 95BFM.